daf is Tadi Bet uh, in uh, Pesachim. We are at the Mishnah, bottom of Tadi Aleph Amud Bet, and Bezrat Hashem concluding this parak of uh, Pesachim today and moving into the new parak, which deals mainly with Pesach Sheni, actually. Mishnah says, Onen tovel A person who is an Onen, this is a person that somebody passed away in their family on that day, they're Onen because the person has not been buried yet. So that person could go to the mikveh and, and eat the, the Korban Pesach at night. So even though he's an Onen, normally an Onen is not allowed to consume any Korban. He's not allowed to partake of Korbanot. However, for Korban Pesach, since Aninut Laila, like we said, being an Onen is really only during the day that the person passed away. The following night is already a new day, so really technically the nighttime Aninut Laila is not really Aninut, doesn't really count as, uh, as Aninut, and so therefore the uh, Aninut Laila is technically, the, the nighttime doesn't really, uh, is only rabbinic, so therefore the rabbis normally would say you can't eat a Korban at night, but since it's a Korban Pesach and it's so serious, so they allow him to uh, consume the Korban at night, he just has to go to the mikveh first, and the Gemara will talk about why he has to of the mikveh. For that, of Alobo Kodeshim, in general, he cannot eat from Korbanot. Hashomea al Meto, if a person hears a report that somebody died, Yom Shemuahave Onendo Rabbanan, if a person just heard now that somebody passed away, even though they've already been buried, in other words, they've already, uh, it's already uh, older news, but they just found out now, so they're considered an Onen for the day that they discover that. And uh, similarly, Hamilaket. Lo atzamot. If a person gathers the bones of his parents, like in other words, he disinters and reinters them somewhere else. He, he they sometimes would dig up the bones and move to another place if it was necessary for whatever reason. So that day, the person has avilut for the one day. Now the Gemara is going to explain. Obviously, it doesn't mean that he himself gathered the bones because then he would be tamei anyway for seven days from tumatmet. We're talking about that he mourns that one day. If a, let's say a person's uh, remains are moved from a country to Israel or something like that, or that would be the most common thing that would happen today, that they would move the bones from, uh, from somewhere in Chutz Aretz to Israel. So if they did that, then, um, then that one day they treat it as like a day of Aninut and a day of Shiva. So that would be a similar thing. Tovel v'ochil v'kodashim. That person can go to the mikveh and eat uh, korbanot. He, Rashi says, Dafilu yom In that case, it's only midrabanan altogether. In other words, the whole thing is rabbinic. Uh, when you're dealing with uh, these situations of hearing news of uh, somebody died, that you're considered an onen for that day, or when you uh, when bones were re uh, reburied, that you're considered an onen for that day. That's all rabbinic. So there, they even allowed you to eat kodashim. You go to the mikveh and you eat kodashim at night. But for korban pesach, even if you were a real onen, if the person actually died and you were onen uh, that night, you could eat from the korban pesach. You just have to go to the mikveh first, as the gemara will explain. Now, gershenit kair of pesach. If a person converts to Judaism on erev pesach, beit shemai omrim tovel bochelat beit shemai says no problem. Let him go to the mikveh. Anyway, he's going to the mikveh because he's, he's converting, right? Let him go to the mikveh and he can eat the Korban Pesach that night, no problem. Of course, he has to be, he has to have finished his giur, he has to have finished his conversion before the Korban Pesach is slaughtered because it will not count for him if he's not Jewish yet. But if he converts Erev Pesach, no problem, says Beit Shammai. Beit Hillel omrim, a porish min ha'ola, ki porish min ha'kever. According to, the, to Beit Hillel, a person who separates from the, the, uh, the foreskin, in other words, he has a uh, uh, brit milah on that day, we're assuming he did the whole process on the same day, person who separates from the foreskin that day uh, is, has to be treated like he separated from the kever. In other words, he has to go through a process of, uh, of para aduma to purify himself as if he had had 
uh, contact with the dead. The Gemara will explain why that is, but basically, um, uh, basically, Beit Shemayin Beit Tileli are arguing uh, whether a person who converted the day of Erev Pesach that very day could bring Korban Pesach. So according to Beit Shammai, he could. So here we see Beit Shammai is being more lenient, which is not the usual case, but he is, or they are. And Beit Hillel is being more uh, stringent than saying, no, you have to treat him like as if he was Tamei from Tumatmet and would have to wait a full seven days and go through the whole process of Para'aduma in order to be pure to eat from any Korban. Now the Gemara will explain why that is, so let's just accept that for now and see what Gemara says. That is, but we have to see why. We don't know why it is yet. So let's see. Okay. So now the Gemara says, Maitama, what's the reason, first of all, why the person who was an Onen that had a relative pass away and they were not buried? And now comes the night of Pesach. They're allowed to eat the Koban Pesach. Because we're saying, Aninut that night is only rabbinic. The rabbi said that when it comes to Pesach, since Koban Pesach is Chiyuv Karet, if a person doesn't fulfill the mitzvah of Koban Pesach, they would be, uh, it's so serious. Even though the eating of the Koban is not really a chiyuv karet. If the person had the korban Pesach brought and then they became tamay, they don't get karet for that. If they didn't eat the korban, the, fu- the fulfillment of the mitzvah is when the korban is brought. But the point is that since korban Pesach is such a serious thing, the rabbi said, and since aninut of the nighttime, meaning if somebody passed away during the day, that night they still haven't been buried, uh, it's only rabbinic to observe the aninut of not fulfilling mitzvot and not eating kodashim. So the rabbis waived that requirement when it came to korban Pesach, but other korbanot he wouldn't be allowed to have. Okay? Now, Hashomel Meitov hears a report of somebody dying or gathers bones. So it says, How could you say that if the person gathered the bones of his parents to, to reinter them in a new location, to bury them in a new location, that he, that he can go to the mikven, he can have his Korban Pesach, or he could even have other Kodashim in that case at night? How could that be? He became Tamemet. He was touching the bones. It says, It doesn't mean that he himself handled the bones, because if he himself handled the bones, then he would be Tamei and require the whole process of paraduma. What it means is that on that very day, it happens to be, let's say, uh, I knew many people like this, that they, let's say, had their relatives buried in other countries, and, uh, you know, and now they live in Israel. They want them to be buried in Israel. Uh, so they will, you know, they'll disinter the bones and they'll move them. So if they did that on Erev Pesach, uh, it, uh, assuming that the, the people themselves didn't touch the bones in any way, so they're only, they only observe that one day of Avilut. They don't have, I, they don't have to observe the, um, uh, the full Avilut, and they, they didn't become Tamei, so it wouldn't be a problem for them to go to the Mikveh and to have Korbanot, even not just the Korban Pesach, but any Korban that night. Now, I'm, it doesn't matter. You become Tamei from, from handling it, from picking it up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. Even lifting it up. So what happens if a person converts on Erev Pesach? This is only talking about a person because Beit Hillel said that a person who separates from the uh, foreskin is like he separated from Tumatmet. Uh, so it says, this is, but, but don't, don't take it literally to mean that if a Jewish person had a circumcision on Erev Pesach, they wouldn't be able to eat from the Korban Pesach, because that is not true. It only applies to a non-Jew who converted. So that's why it says, Because the concern is, according to Beit Hillel, maybe, maybe next year he'll become Tamei. He'll say, He'll say, What's the real concern of Beit Hillel? It's not that the person was uncircumcised in the morning and now they're circumcised. It's not, they're not saying that literally, that separating from the, from, from the foreskin is like separating from a dead body. They don't mean literally. What they mean is that since the person, let's say the guy that morning had touched a dead body. 
He was a non-Jew, so he doesn't become Tameh from touching a dead body. Then he goes and he does Brit Milah, and he goes and he does Mikveh, he goes to the Mikveh, and he goes to eat his Korban Pesach. Beit Shammai says there's no problem, because when he touched the dead body in the morning, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't Jewish, so it doesn't give him any Tumah. So what happens? So he'll think next year the same thing. He'll go to a funeral on the morning of Erev Pesach. He'll say, what, last year I just went to the Mikveh after that, and I went to the Korban Pesach, what's the problem? Ah, but the last year you weren't Jewish. Right, so therefore we require every convert, according to Beit Hillel, every convert who converts before they eat any korbanot have to do a process of para aduma. Why? Just to make it clear to them to make sure that if there was any tumah that they touched, so they'll get the idea that in the future I have to be very careful about it. Even though technically whatever tumah they contracted previously, if they were mitzvah, if they were zav, anything, they don't have to purify themselves from any of that because it was it doesn't count. Um, from the uh, perspective of uh, you know a non-Jew, but so, so they won't make a mistake. So we require him to do decree. it, huh? It's a rabbinic decree, so. right? It's a rabbinic decree. We just require him so he doesn't get confused. Okay, yeah. So so like basically, most tumot anyway just require mikveh. So we basically require them to do the most, the utmost that you would need to do for any for any tumah, just to make it clear that they have to be completely you know out of the framework of tumah to be able to eat any korbanot, so they won't make a mistake, right? So that's what they, that's what it says. But Beit Shammai don't agree with that. Okay, they say you don't need to go so far. But if a if a regular Jew never had a brit milah. For whatever reason, okay? And now finally he has the opportunity on Erev Pesach. No problem. He can do the Brit Milah. We don't make such a Xerah that we'll get confused. So we don't, we're not concerned that if we allow a Jew to get a circumcision on Erev Pesach and then eat at night, that uh, then a non-Jew will do the same uh, with his conversion. We're not concerned about that. It's only something that applies to the non-Jew. Now they ask the question, what about, what if you had been a Zav and really he needs to bring Korbanot on the, uh, on the eighth day or something like that? So that we don't require because obviously you can't bring Korbanot if it's not for Real. You can't require every convert to bring korbanot of a zav and korbanot of a mitzvah and every other thing, you know, if it was not for real. So, uh, but you can require splashing on him the para aduma because that doesn't, you know, that's no problem. You could do that for uh, out of the, you know, uh, it doesn't cause any trouble to do that. It, he's not bringing any offering. And so that's what we require. So, everybody agrees that if a Jew had his circumcision on Erev Pesach, he can go to the Mikveh, and then he can eat the Korban Pesach at night. <laughs> what are they arguing about? <laughs> That's only about a non-Jew. Regarding a non-Jew. In other words, regarding a Jew even, if he had his Brit Milan that day, we still require him to go to the Mikveh first, because there's a certain concept of like a rabbinically decreed Tum'ah that he's separated from the... Um, from the uh, uh, from the orla from the from the uh, foreskin, so we require him to go to the mikveh. But we don't go so far as to say that he needs to uh, go through para aduma. Okay, that's only for somebody who converted to Judaism according to Beit Hillel, not according to Beit Shemayin. Amar Rava says, Arel Ismail. Three things. The rabbis were so strict that they upheld their rule even against the mitzvah that involves karet. We'll see what this means. So it, literally it means uncircumcised, has the eyes, the para aduma ashes, and Ismail is the knife of the uh, brit milah. Onen But when it comes to an onen or a mitzvah or a beta pras, a beta pras is basically a field where they knew that there was somebody buried in there at some point and it was disturbed because they people came and they uh, they uh, 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 plowed the field and all that, and we don't know where that original 
where that original grave was. So we're concerned there could be bones there. There could be things like that. That's called beta pras. Okay, we'll see. I, I, I don't know, but that, that's what it's called. No, we've seen it before many times. Now, what does he say? There they did not hold up their words in a case of karet. So arel hadamran. The case of arel is what we're talking about above. In other words, that the, um, when it comes to arel, it says, hemidu divrehen. Uh, they did uphold their ruling in the uh, in the case of karet that we say that uh, uh, that that when it comes to the case of the uh, the arel we're saying that um, that he's allowed to that even though the the ger even though the convert would be allowed in theory to eat the korban pesach that night because he converted the day of erev pesach. He should be allowed to eat it, but we don't allow him because of a gzeras. So you see, the rabbis were very strict, even though really he should be allowed, right? All uh, also hazaa de amar mor. What about what about the paraduma? Because the master has ashavut ve'eno dochet shabbat. Like for example, this year that erev pesach falls on shabbat. So a person, let's say, was up to their seventh day after uh, touching a dead body and they wanted to be able to eat the Korban Pesach at night and they need the para adumah to be splashed on them. We don't do it because it's Shabbat. Even though, really, the guy's going to miss out on Korban Pesach because he's not allowed to do it. Yep, but we don't do para adumah on Shabbat, so he's not able to do it. So you see that the rabbis upheld the rule of not doing para adumah on Shabbat, not throwing the, the water of the para adumah on Shabbat, even though it's going to cause the guy to miss out on Korban Pesach. And Ismail, also the knife, the tanya, keshem shen vin otodech shut rabim, kachem vin otodech gagodech hatzodech harpefot. You're not allowed to bring the knife if the mohel forgot to bring the knife before Shabbat to do the Brit Milah. Not only can he not bring it through a shutarabim, carrying from pers- private domain to public domain, which is Isur Deoraita, but he can't even bring it through areas that don't have an eruv that it's only Isur Derabanan, such as the roofs of houses, or through the, through the courtyards, or, or through the other f- open fields that are the fields that are enclosed, but they're considered to be karpef, like we learned, is, all, is rabbinically prohibited to carry. So you're not even allowed to violate a rabbinic rule to get the knife to the place where the baby is located. That shows you that even that, um, that you have, that, that the rabbis held their gzerah, they held their decree, even in a case where um, it's going to cause the person to miss an isor karet, uh, miss a mitzvah of karet. Now, what is the mitzvah here? Not the brit milah, because the brit milah could be done another day. What it means is that in order to do korban pesach, even if you have a member of your family that didn't have a brit milah, like let's say, for example, you have a, ba- a child, a minor, um, a child that has not had his brit milah done yet, you also can't bring korban pesach until everybody in your household that you're responsible for has their brit milah. Okay, so therefore, yeah, so therefore, if this baby can't have his brit milah, let's say it's a Shabbat, Erev Pesach Shabbat like this, and there, it's the eighth day of the, you know, the brit milah for the baby, and the, tonight is Pesach, it's Erev Pesach Shechal Be'erev Shabbat, I'm sorry, Be'Shabbat, like this year, Erev Pesach is, is falling on Shabbat, and they didn't bring the knife in, in time. So they can't break the rabbinic rule to bring the knife to do the Brit Milah on this baby, even though it means that the father and the, will, will not be able to have the Korban Pesach now because he's not going to be able to do a Korban Pesach because he has somebody who's uncircumcised in his house. They didn't bend the rule of carrying the knife. Okay, now Onen... I, I, I'm missing something here. In today's time, okay? Right. He has to leave all of the stuff there before Shabbat. Then he can't do the breed. That's all. It'll be like if he didn't drive there before Shabbat. He can't get in the car and drive there. That's there's nothing he can do. He doesn't have a mitzvah yet of the Brit Milah, so it's not considered you neglected the Brit Milah. It has to be, yeah, yeah, meaning that only if the baby is up for Brit Milah, he's not going to be, he's not going to, but if it's too young, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, so now it says like this. So, it, of course, in that case, the mother won't be able to do korban pesach because she'll be tmei'ah from the, having the baby. But that's a whole other issue. Now, the um, so now what about what about the cases where the rabbis bent the rules? Onen had amaran. Onen, we saw already that the rabbis said that even though the person's relative died that day, and usually nighttime, also the following night we we impose the rules of aninut, like we don't allow them to say brachot, we don't allow them to. But that's only. Uh, for other Kodashim and for other situations, but for Korban Pesach, we allow him to go to the Mikveh and to actually eat the Korban Pesach, even though he's an Onen, we bend the rules for him. That's the case where they bent the rules, right? Mitzorah, Maihi. What about the case of Mitzorah? What is the case where they bent the rules for Mitzorah? It says, Mitzorah, Pesach. What if the uh, Mitzorah comes his eighth day? So he has seven days of purification. Eighth day, he's supposed to do his last acts of uh, Korbanot and everything. So now he's pure and he'll be able to eat the Korban Pesach. And it turns out that that very night, Night that he was supposed to come and bring his uh, korbanot for uh, mitzvah, he ends up a balkeri. He has seminal emission at night, so now he has another tumah that's on top of him. So what does he do? He has to go to the mikveh. So, so what does he do? So the thing is, he, he saw a, a, a seminal emission. So what's the problem? Since I had a seminal emission the night before, even if he goes to the mikveh in the morning, the mitzvah is not allowed to go onto the, you know, to go into the Beit Hamikdash where he has to go in order to uh, participate in the, um, or to participate in the the ritual where he puts his thumbs in and everything that they put the blood on it. He won't be able to come because he's a tevul yom. So what's he going to do? So there the, it says amru chachamim afalvishet tevul yom eno nechnas ze nechnas. Even though usually we say that a tevul yom, a person who had a tumah that day, because he had the seminal emission the night before, so he has, really he's considered tevul yom. He just went to the mikveh that day. That night he'll be pure, but that day he's not pure yet. We allow him. He can come in. Mutav yavo ase shish bokaret yitchei ase shen bokaret. Normally we would say to this mitzvah, come back tomorrow. We would say, okay, you're a Tevul Yom because you had seminal emission last night. Okay, so come on the ninth day. It's okay, come tomorrow, no problem. But in this case, if the Mitzvah doesn't go that day, he won't be able to eat the Korban Pesach that night because he's Mechusar Kippurim. He hasn't brought his Korbanot yet. He won't be able to bring, he won't be able to eat the Korban Pesach. So therefore, we allow him to come and to do the ritual of the Mitzvah on that day, even though he's going to have to go as a Tevul Yom, not fully pure yet. A Tevul Yom is going to have to come onto Har Habayit. He's going to have to come into the, uh, into the uh, area that normally a Tevul Yom is not allowed to go. So, it just says, He's The truth is that, uh, that according to the Torah, there's no ase, there's no positive mitzvah, meaning that he has to get off the beta uh, the area of the harabayit when he's a tevul yom. It's not even a deoraita. because it says the pasuk says that this was something extra. It says that Yoshafat the king stood uh, in front of the new courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash, and it says, "What does it mean? New? My chater chadasha shechidishu bo devar v'mudavul yom lo yikanez malchane leviyah." The idea was that this is only a derabanan that was decreed in the days of Yehoshaphat. The new idea was that you can't a tevul yom is not allowed to come onto the Temple Mount. That was a later thing. Machane leviyah is talking about the Temple Mount area, as opposed to the actual courtyard of the Beit the Beit Hamikdash itself. Is called this is called machane shechina. 
that's the place where no Tamei person is about, allowed to go. But to come onto the Har Habayit and stick his hands in, that's okay. Now, there's a whole question about um, why sticking your hands in is not a problem. And Rashi brings here, he says, well, first of all, because sticking the hands in is not a complete entry, so that would be okay anyway. Right? It's not, it's not a complete entry. Or somebody will say that since they allowed him to do it for the ritual of Mitzvah, they also allowed the uh, they also allowed the Tevulyom to do it for the, uh, you know, to do to override the rule of Tevulyom. In other words, we're allowing him to go into the Har Habayit, Rabbi Yochanan is saying, because it's only really a, a rabbinic prohibition for the Tevulyom to go on Har Habayit. But what about to go into the Bet HaMikdash itself and stick his hands in? Why do we allow him to do that? A mitzvah, we know that's part of the ritual. He has to do it. Otherwise, how will he be able to become purified? The Torah tells him he has to do that, right? But the Tevulyom, how can he do it? So it says, well, first of all, sticking your hands in is not the same as going in. That's answer number one. Answer number two is, once the Torah allows the mitzvah to put his hands in, and the mitzvah is for sure not, to, not allowed to go into the Bet HaMikdash, Right, so they also allowed the tevulyom. In other words, that both of them are allowed to stick their hands in um, to the Bet Hamikdash in order to fulfill this. Uh, s- since it happens to be that he's a mitzvah who's purifying himself, he gets a special license, basically, to stick his hands in, even though he's also a tevulyom in this case, so that he can do the ritual. But the point is that normally they would tell such a mitzvah to wait till the next day when he's not a tevulyom anymore before doing it. But in this case, because it's erev pesach, they bent the rule. So these are the three cases where they bent the rule, the rabbinic rule. In this case, the rabbinic rule of a tevulyom not being allowed to go on the harabait in order to allow the korban pesach to be done. That's the second of the three. The third one is betapras. Betapras is a field where there was once some grave. It was lost. Nobody knew where it was. And then along came people and they plowed that field and mixed everything up. And now we don't know if there might be bones or whatever that are there that could cause a person to become tamay from walking on it. So normally if a person walked on it, we consider it a doubt whether they became tamay from that because they might have stepped on bones of these uh, previously buried people. So it says, we learned in the Mishnah, Veshavin Bet Shamayu Bet Hilel, Bet Shamayin Bet Hilel agree about a case where what? Shebodkin lo se Pesach, ven bodkin lo ochle truma. We check for the people who want to do a Pesach, but we don't do that for those who are eating the Truma. Now, the way that Rashi interprets checking means that you can go through an area that's a bit, let's say the only way you have to get to the, do the Korban Pesach in time is if you pass through this area that's a bit the process. It's the only way you're going to make it. Otherwise, you will not make it. So they allowed the person to go by blowing, basically. What they do is they go along the ground and they are like blowing air, I guess they could, I don't know if they have to use their mouth, they could probably use like a thing like this, just to make sure that there's no bones on the ground that he's going to be stepping on. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that for Goban Pesach. What? They weren't worried about that. They were only worried about the bones that came to the surface. Right, to actually touch the bones. They weren't worried about, they didn't go so far to worry about the burial underneath. They were only worried about the bones on top. So, so that you can blow and you can see. But if the guy wants to eat truma, we tell him, okay, take a long road. You can eat the truma in two or three days. You don't have to go through a shortcut through the beta pras. But if the guy's going to miss Korban Pesach, he has no such opportunity. So that's why we said that. My budkin, what does it mean? Checking. He can, he can blow on the beta pras, meaning he blows to see if there's any sign of a bone. If the bone is there, you'll see it. And if the bone is so tiny, it'll get pushed out of the way. In other words, either you'll see that it's there or it'll get pushed out of the way and that way you'll be able to walk through without 
without touching any bones, without any tum'ah. Rav Yehuda bar Abaye, Mishmedo Rav Yehuda, Amar Beta Pras, Shenidash Tor. He said that if a Beta Pras is totally stamped, stamped on already, in other words, if regularly people have been walking through there so much that by now it's totally, you know, trampled on and it's all whatever would have been there is already crushed and gone. So Rashi says that Shedri Satan, Baregel Haviratan, do we assume that they got rid whatever whatever is gone uh uh, by then he can check and see it doesn't mean he has to check and see by blowing on the ground he's saying what it means is he can check and see if it has already been trampled on a lot if it's already been trampled on a lot he doesn't have to worry however if the person wants to eat shumah, he can't rely on that since he can wait till a later time to eat shumah. he can either walk through there and then go become tahor again and then start over or he can take a longer route to get home that's the way that Rashi interprets this what it means to go through the Beit Pras, and that was a rabbinic rule so normally the rabbis would decree on a person that they're not allowed to go through the Beit Pras, and if they did go through the Beit Pras, they wouldn't allow them to eat shumah for, for that time they would have to go through a process of, of tarah first but for Korban Pesach they again bent the rule. They said, you know what? We will we'll be lenient. We'll let you blow on the ground or we'll let you see if it's been trampled and go through it because we didn't want to d- stop people from going to do the Korban Pesach. And that's a Dachalan Haisha. That's the conclusion of that parak. And now we come to the parak that deals mainly, essentially, with the Pesach Sheni. Okay? And it says, These are the two examples that the Torah actually gives, right? Somebody was Tamei. Somebody was tame, was either Tamei and therefore not able to bring Korban Pesach, or he was far away. And he didn't do Pesach Rishon because he was far away, or because he was Tamei. He does Pesach Sheni. If for some other reason he made a mistake or he was in a situation that was unavoidable, even though he wasn't Tamei or he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't away, but something else happened that prevented him from m- making Pesach Rishon, then Yaseta Sheni does the second Pesach. If that's true, then anyway, a case of a person who is a Shogegor Anus, he brings Pesach Sheni. So why does the Torah have to tell you? Why does it have to tell you about the case of the person who is a Tamei or Bederchachokah, who is Tamei or, or far away? If it's just example, an example of people not doing it. So what, what's the reason of telling you that? Because some, the, the people who are Tamei or Bederchachokah are exempt from uh, Karet, and the people who are, uh, and other people who don't do the Korban Pesach are Chayav and Karet for not doing the uh, uh, for not doing the first Pesach. Now, the Gemara is going to explain, well, it can't be saying that the people who are Shogeg or Anus are Chayav Karet, because obviously they are not, because somebody who did it by accident is not Chayav Karet if he neglected by accident to bring Korban Pesach, or if he was Anus, he was in the hospital or something, and he couldn't do it. Nobody says that that person is Chayav Karet. So what is it contrasting when it says, Mishayab Tameo Bedech doesn't get karet, but other people do. The Gemara is going to explain what that's talking about because it obviously isn't saying that uh, that people who are have any other, ex, you know, extenuating circumstance are are, are chayav karet. That wouldn't be true. Okay, so the Gemara. This is only one of the few that you get karet for a positive. Only two. There's only Brit Milan. This. That's it. Yeah. So the Gemara says itmar. We stated as follows. What if a person was on vacation? He's on his way back. He's. He cannot make it to Yerushalayim by the time that the Korban Pesach is offered, but he'll be there in time to eat it at night, right? So technically he's B'derch Rechokah because he's not going to be able to be in Yerushalayim at the time of the Shechitata Korban. So technically he could say, I'm B'derch Rechokah, I'm not going to make it back. But he will be there, let's say he's on a plane coming back, I don't know, and he'll be there by the time the Seder. 
Okay, but he won't be there for the shechita. So it, let's, and they went ahead and they did it for him. So now we have a machlok. And Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says that's good. What he did was good. Because uh, they did the korban for him. No problem. But, but Rav Sheshet says, no, lo rutza, it's not accepted. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said the Torah is giving him a leniency. It's saying if the guy can't make it because he's on a, a long trip, we give him a break. We say, okay, it's okay. But if he arranges to make it done, so what's the problem? He got it done. So why, why are you giving him a hard time? Rav Sheshet says that the Torah compares him like the Tameh person. Because it gives the two examples of the Tameh person and the Chokah. And it's saying that both of these people are exempt from the first Pesach. So that means that even if he, has a, he makes an arrangement for it to be done, it's not valid because he has to be able to be present. It doesn't mean he has to actually be present, but he has to be close enough that he could be present if he wanted to be. That's what the Torah is telling you by exempting the person who is B'der Chokah. It's saying that the person who is away doesn't have the ability to bring a Korban Pesach. Not that it's optional for him. Okay, that's the machloket. Rav Nachman is saying it's optional. He has the out. He has exemption. If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't have, he doesn't have to feel obligated to arrange for it to be done. But if he did, very nice. Rav Sheshit said, no. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said, Mina amina la. how do I know my position is correct? That if they do it on his behalf, it's good. It says, if somebody was Tamei or they were far away and they didn't do the first Pesach, they do the second one. Which means, if they did, meaning it, the, the, it says, if he was B'derch Rechokah V'lo Asa'at HaRishon, Yaset HaSheni, meaning it was his choice. He was B'derch Rechokah, he was far away, and he didn't do the first Pesach. That's two different things, right? Meaning, he was B'derch Rechokah, he could have done it, but he didn't do it, so now he does Pesach Sheni. That's the implication, that he had the opportunity, he had the choice. It's just that he didn't do it, so now we can do Pesach Sheni. For Rav Sheshet Amar, no. What about the latter part of the Mishnah? It says that the person was shogeg, he made a mistake. Or ne'enas, he was, it was against his, his, out of his control. He was hospitalized or something, right? It says there, he didn't do the Pesach Rishon, he should do the second one. But how, that makes no sense. Saying that, that from the fact that it says he didn't do the Korban Pesach, that means he could have done it. The whole case is that he made a mistake. What do you mean? He, he was, it was against his will and he didn't do the Korban Pesach. What do you mean it was against his will and he didn't do the Korban Pesach? If it's against his will, he had no, he had no, nothing he could do. You're saying that when it says, he was away and he didn't do the Korban Pesach, it means that he had the option to do it. When he exercised the option not to do it, right? He decided not to do it. And, and, there, and he could still do Pesach Sheni because he was but he had the option if he wanted to do it. So how, but at the end of the Mishnah, when it says the guy was Nenas, it was out of his control, and it also says the words, and he didn't do the first Pesach. So you're saying that he had the ability to do it, but the definition of the case is he didn't have the ability to do it. So just because it said he didn't do the first Pesach doesn't mean he could have done it. He couldn't have done it. That's the language of the Mishnah. He couldn't have done it. Ela mezid katani There's a third case, really, at the end of the Mishnah. When it says, Shagag onenas vilo asatarishon. Right? It's saying three things. He made a mistake, or he was, it was, a, it was out of his, his control, or vilo asatarishon, or bemezid he didn't do the first one. Okay, right. But Mezid, on purpose, didn't do it. I'm going to stay out of town just for the second one. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's a whole discussion. Can you just stay out of town? Or are, you, do, are you obligated to come back? Right. No, no. The, se- the third case is just regular Shagago Nenas. He was in the hospital. He couldn't, he couldn't make it. Okay? So, it's, so Mezid would be, I just don't want to do it. 
Right? I don't want to do it. So it says, Hachanami, Onen Katani Badayu. The first part has three cases also, says Rav Sheshet. The three cases are hidden, though, the third case. It's Tamei, Hayabadechokha, or Onen. Onen is another example of a person who really should be bringing the Korban Pesach because he's allowed to eat it at night. Right, but maybe he said, "Oh, I was too depressed. I, I, I don't feel up to it. I'm too down." I, I, you know, we can understand, right? So you might think that that person is off the hook, also, right? So it's that's what it's saying that there's three cases really there. Velo asata rishon includes the person who is onen. We just read that onen if it's that night and he cannot bury, can eat that. He can. So that's the point. But he didn't. He decided not to do a korban pesach. He didn't feel like. How are we going to include him this? They're saying that they're reading it into, they're saying that Velo Asata Rishon, in both cases, in the beginning and the end of the Mishnah, is adding a case. It's adding a case. It's not referring to just the cases that are there. Why do I know that? Because Rav Sheshet is saying, if you're B'dech Rechokai, you can't bring the Korban Pesach. So it wouldn't say Velo Asata Rishon. It wasn't your choice. You're not allowed to bring it if you're away. The Torah says you're out for, for, for this. So, could it be so it's referring the to Onen. getting there late at night only, he's not going to be there for the Exactly. That is what it's talking about. Rav Sheshet is saying, if you can't be there in time for the Shechita, you can't do a Korban Pesach. He's saying, you can't. You have to wait till the next one. That's it. So what does it mean, Velo Asata Rishon? Who is the person who didn't do the first Pesach? Somebody who voluntarily didn't do the first Pesach, which is the Onen, which he was supposed to do it, and he didn't do it. Right? Or the Mezid, who was supposed to do it, and he didn't do it. But the Shogeg and the Nenas, those people made a mistake, or they were in the hospital or something like that. They, could, or they were in prison. I don't know, whatever. Right, they had no opportunity. Right? So, so that's what Rav Sheshet is saying. Now, Ravashi Rav says, Nami Daika, you could also see a hint in our Mishnah that there's something missing. Because it says that these are exempt from Karet and these are, are liable to Karet. Now, what is it referring to? Obviously, the Mishnah doesn't mean that if you were Shogeg or Anus that you, have, that you get Karet. If you made a mistake or if it was, against, it was out of your control that you're going to get Karet. Obviously, it doesn't mean that. So what is the Mishnah referring to when it says these people get Karet? These people don't get Karet. Who are the, these people who get Karet? There's nobody in the Mishnah who should get Karet. The people are either away or they're Tamei or they're Anus. So the, 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 nobody should be getting Karet. It means people who make a conscious decision not to bring the Korban Pesach. Meaning that either they just did a B'mezid, they're like, I don't feel like it, I don't want to do it, I don't believe in it, whatever, I'm not going to do it. That's Mezid. Or the Onen who says, oh, I'm down, I'm depressed, ah, what do I need this for? He was supposed to bring it, right? But he didn't bring it. Supposed to, supposed to, that's what we said, right? That's what he's saying. Yeah, it's not really voluntary, meaning he had the choice. He, he, he chose wrong. So those cases are where you could get karit. Right, so Rav Sheshet is saying, the basic machloket is about Derech Rechokah, because it's different than all the other cases. Because all the other cases, if you're Tamei, you're Tamei, that's it. If you're Anus, that means you're, you're not able to get there. You're not able to do it, right? If you're Shogeg, you made a mistake, so you made a mistake. You forgot what day it was, I don't know. But, but Derech Rechokah, what if I can get there in time for the Seder? I just can't get there in time for the Korban Bezach. Rav Nachman is saying, have somebody do it for you. Rav Sheshet said, no, if, you're not, if you couldn't be there for the actual service, you're not included. You have to go for Bezach Now, Rav Nachman says, look, I agree with you that there's a case of Mezid implied in the Mishnah. There has to be, right? Because otherwise, how could you really have a case of anyone getting karet in this Mishnah? There's nobody here getting karet. And really, at the end of the Mishnah, it should say chayav in the singular, not in the plural, because there's only one case implied in the Mishnah where there is karet. In other words, what, why is Rav Nachman saying that? 
Rav Nachman is saying that because Rav Sheshit is saying the proof, or Rav Ashi is saying the proof, really, Rav Nachman and Rav Ashi are saying that there's two extra cases in the Mishnah where you get Karein. It's because it says Chayavin in the plural. That means the Mezid, who just doesn't want to do it, and the Onen, who says, oh, I'm too sad to do it, or whatever, but he doesn't do it. Okay? Rav Nachman says, no, 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 no. That's not true. Really, it should say Chayav, because it's only talking about the Mezid. Right, that would get karet. It's not talking about the onen. Why doesn't he want to say it's talking about the onen? Because he wants to say that in the first case, when it says, Mishayatame obedech rechoka velo asata rishon, is one case. Right? Not that there's an extra case of the onen. He's saying the person who was away and decided not to do it. Right? Because he had the choice to do it, according to Rav Nachman. The chidush, according to Rav Nachman, is that the person's bederch rechoka had a choice whether to do it or not, and if he chooses not to do it, he's okay. He can just do Pesach Sheni. And if he chooses to do it, that's unique to Rav Nachman. Rav Sheshit is saying there's no such thing. If you have the opportunity to do it, then you would be obligated. And if you don't have the opportunity, you don't have the opportunity. There's nothing in the middle. Right? Now, the Gemara says, where do I get the idea that you can't bring the Korban Pesach if you're away? Because Rabbi Akiva said that it says in the Torah two cases, the person who's Tamei and the person who's far away. Just like the Tamei person who has the ability to bring the Korban Pesach but doesn't bring it. He's assuming it's a one-day Tum'ah that's going to be over that night and yet he doesn't bring it. Right? So, so too... So too, so too, the guy who will be there for the said there at night, but he can't make it during the day, it's saying he's allowed, he's not allowed to bring it. So you see, just like the Tamei person that will be Tahor at night, doesn't bring the Korban Pesach during the day, have it brought for him during the day, because he will, even though he'll be Tahor at night, so too, the Derech guy, the guy who's away, doesn't have to make an arrangement and if he's going to be there at night. He's exempt completely because he can't be there for the service. But Rav Nachman HaMalach, Rabbi Akiva Letamei, Dekasavar, En Shokhtim Vizorkin Al Tamei Sheretz, Vanas Tavir Alei, it should say, Himan Damar Shokhtim Vizorkin Al Tamei Sheretz. That's very nice for Rabbi Akiva. Because Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion, as we saw before, there's a machloket about this. If a person has a one-day Tum'ah, right now they couldn't bring the Korban Pesach because they're Tamei, but tonight they're going to be Tahor. By tonight they're going to be tar. It was a machlok and we saw a few times. Can you bring the Korban Pesach for them during the day? And they'll eat it at night. Is that good enough? Right? So he's saying, Rebbe Akiva holds that you can't do that. So therefore, just like the Tameh, even though the Tameh person will be able to eat it at night, he can't have it brought for him during the day. So too, Rabbi Akiva will say, since the guy is on the way back from a trip and he won't be able to bring the Korban Pesach at the right time, even though he's going to be there at night, he can't have an arrangement done for him during the day to bring the Korban Pesach. But I, said Rav Nachman, I hold the other opinion, that that if a person has a one-day Tum'ah and by the nighttime they're going to be totally fine to, to eat the Korban, so then they can bring a korban for them during the day, knowing that at night they'll be okay. And so too, I'm going to say that if a person is on a trip back and he calls in and he says, make a korban Pesach for me, uh, I'm going to be there by the nighttime, it should be fine for that to, arrangement to be made. The chidush, the novelty is that if he decides not to do that, we don't penalize him. We let him go to the second Pesach. That would make the Derch Cholka case a unique case, that he doesn't have to make the arrangement, but he's allowed to. Rav Sheshet is saying, there's no middle ground. Either you are obligated or you're exempt. But if, you're, or, but if, you, are, if you have an option, then you're making a decision yes. not to bring it, and that would be unacceptable. So therefore, it must be that a person simply is pushed off to the next Pesach. That's it. If you couldn't be there for the service of the Pesach, you're waiting for Pesach Sheni. You, don't, you can't make an arrangement in advance. It opens up a can of worms because now all of a sudden you're going to always have to make an arrangement. The whole Derch thing will, will fall away. Yeah.
There's a whole discussion. There is a discussion among the Mefarshim, uh, whether a person is obligated to be there. Meaning, is, it, is there anything wrong with going away and being Because the Torah doesn't say you have to be It doesn't say you have to be close. Right. It doesn't say you're, it's a sword to go away. It doesn't say that. So the uh, so there's a whole discussion. Does that mean there's a mitzvah to be present and this person just didn't make it back? Or no, you could go away and you know, and you're just going to do it the next Pesach and it's okay. There's a whole discussion about what, what the Torah really means by that.